0: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary pa- 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 patrons. Uh, I just thanked Pastor Judd as a patron. So I almost said pastors, uh, but thank you so much for supporting the show. It, like literally, couldn't do it without you. If you're hearing this, I guess you have access. But I want to make sure you know about the RSS feed. If you're listening to this via email, or you you could listen to all these episodes in your uh, Patreon app. Uh, I mean, in your uh, podcasting app. And you could just you can ask at the Facebook group, or you can contact uh, support.patreon.com uh, to get help set up. Uh, but let's get on with the show. Thanks, patrons. Uh, hey, you're all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, oh, welcome. This is Sleep with Me, the podcast. It's here to put you to sleep we do it's a bedtime story all you need to do is get in bed turn out the lights and press play I'm going to do the rest and what I'm going to try to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever is keeping you awake whether it's uh, thoughts you know things you're thinking about uh, physical feelings or sensations emotions you know changes in routine summer can do that to you ups and downs upsy daisy what is upsy, upsy daisy? That's when, you, okay, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. We'll get back to that for this intro, believe me. Might even have to put out, pull out my soapbox for that. I mean, once I figure out what it means, uh. Like, is it, how's it, how did it date you? Sometimes these things boggle me. Oh, you old phrases, you so can, you confuse me even more than normal phrases. Is that, are you upsy daisy? Are you a colloquial, colloquialism? Upsy Daisy, how do you feel about me talking to you? Are we talking in the first person or the third person? Anyway, let me get back. Upsy Daisy's here live in studio now. Uh, Upsy Daisy, excuse me, I got to reset for the new listeners. We'll not even reset, set, set. Excuse me, new listeners, I don't realize it just had a, uh, I don't know if it's a colloquialism or a saying or something trite, whatever, uh, What's the other one? Is it? Are you an idiom? I think Upsy Daisy just called me an idiom, but replaced something with a T. So, if you're a new listener, here's a, I'm going to try to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake. The way I'm going to do that is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders. You know, slow over. You know, over explanations over easy, extra long over, not over hard. uh, Over medium. Dale Dale Cooper likes his eggs over hard. I realized. Uh, uh, Anyway, not important. Uh, Not important stuff. There'll be a lot of that filler. Actually, there's not a lot of filler. But it's you know the podcast is filled to overflowing, which you you see, what did you put it like just like when a kid or when I was a kid, and I liked filling I like filling stuff up, like containers uh, with stuff, and then it would be overflowing, usually liquids and solids sometimes inside. That was about worst ideas. I think I talked about it a while ago. But upsy daisies here, like I uh, just like it. Uh, but I'm gonna fill this podcast overflowing with stuff, uh, stuff to the brim, filled to the brim. I'm the first person to stuff it to the brim and then fill it to the brim. A hey, bolt. Uh, usually people don't stuff it to the brim, but I do. And uh, the whole idea is to send my voice across the deep dark night to keep you company while you fall asleep, to distract you and escort you, walk side-by-side side with you while you cross over the threshold from wake to sleep, hopefully floating into the arms of sweet, sweet Morpheus or Barky, you know, my one of my favorite old, gods, old and new. Uh, but if you're new here, here's the structure of the show, just so just so I could set you up. Uh, first, five or six minutes of show or business, if you're new, not that important, if you're a regular listener, it's essential, you know, to keeping the show free and the archives free. So make sure you check that out, you know, to, to, to you know, to before you fall asleep or tomorrow. Uh, then we have an intro. Intros are about uh, fourteen to twelve to thirteen to fifteen to eleven minutes or so, or somewhere in between there. And uh, then we'll have, uh, like, I, I don't know. This, this is. Uh, there is so This will be for the Game of Thrones season. This intro, but our Game of Thrones episodes are so big that, it, like, uh, I have to record them in in chunks. Uh, but usually, for the Game of Thrones, we'll have we'll talk about we'll have an intro first, twelve or fifteen minutes. We'll talk about the episode. Well, 45 minutes or so. We'll talk about facts that came up in the episode for 10 minutes or so. I'll talk, check in with Tom and Pounce, and then uh, we'll hear from uh, my prayers to old gods and the new. And then we'll do some thank yous. So uh, Game of Thrones episodes are pretty epic lengthwise, but you don't need to listen. This is a podcast that you could listen to if you need to. You can listen to it right now as it takes your mind off of stuff. But you're under no pressure to listen, uh, but you're also under pressure to fall asleep. This is a podcast to put you to sleep, that that may put you to sleep. It'll be your companion here in the deep, dark night. If you can't fall asleep, I'll be here the whole time. And uh, that's it, but I, I'm a little distracted uh, because uh, the, we have Upsy Daisy in the studio. Now, Upsy Daisy was just in the middle of podcast intro, and somehow you came up, and I, uh, when I say you— also, I've never had a phrase in studio before or saying or what you know a collection of words uh, just sitting sitting on the stool here like, do you mind me saying uh, since it, since I, like uh, like you you look fabulous uh yes like uh daisy, you sound fabulous but when I picture you in my mind your meaning and picturing someone tossing a baby up in the air for for fun and the baby like smiling and stuff uh and saying, upsy-daisy, is that what, is that what you... Uh, okay. Upsy- I guess phrases can't really speak. They can only... Uh, yeah, so I don't think that's a good idea. I guess that was my whole point. I don't know why I asked No offense, I don't know why I asked you in the studio. Oh, I do know why. Excuse me. Sorry, I didn't mean to have you stand up, especially for a phrase. That's not easy. But I was saying, like, as soon as I thought about that, I thought about that... um. That thing, I don't know if it's a nursery rhyme, rocking a rockabye baby on a tree. How did that baby get in the tree? I've been meaning to ask somebody, do you have any connections to Mother Goose? Was that in a Mother Goose treasury? You don't know. Let me just, in case anyone tuned in like this, I'm here uh, live with uh, Upsy Daisy, a collection of words or letters, depending on your, or two words, Upsy, Upsy, Daisy, not positive UPSI a word, uh, but it is a lovely collection of letters here. And we're talking about uh, getting to the bottom of this baby uh, that was getting it up in a cradle on the treetop. Uh, do you know who left a cradle in the treetop, UPSI Daisy? You don't have anything to do with that. Well, that's suspicious. Did you change your name from, like, uh, since UPSI, we're pretty sure is isn't a word. I'm not even sure. Is it S I E U U P P S I E? Okay, you not answering these. You're not going to answer all my questions? Uh, maybe I could get this on the daily. I could see if uh, Michael Barbaro really could get you on What, 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 uh, saying it wrong. Okay, well, back to you, because this is where the pressure's on. So, upsy-daisy, you don't know about that. Do you know, do you have any bedtime tips for our listeners that are trying to fall asleep while you're here? Uh, oh, that does help. Uh, comforting, fun for a baby with steady motion does help. Okay. Well, let's imagine uh, Upsy Daisy. Do you mind if I put you alive asleep to asleep? A uh, collection of words and letters getting put to sleep live on the air here in studio with Upsy Daisy, pretending we're live on the radio just for just to seem more professional since Upsy Daisy's here. And Upsy Daisy, I don't know if you have eyes, but I want you to close them And the listeners. This is a podcast that puts you to sleep, and it doesn't work for everybody. A little bit strange, a little bit off the beaten path. But I want you to imagine you're a little sailboat, Upsy Daisy. And there's gentle waves, but there's big ones. But they're not doing any crashing, but you go up one wave, sea. And you go down, so I don't know why they say upsy-daisy. Do I have the right phrase? Did I invite you in studio? Uh, like, uh, is it really upsy-daisy? Like, Why is it daisy? It's just your name. Okay. I don't think it's your name, though. It's actually like you have a meaning. Maybe. Or maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i the mixed-up one. Well, I definitely am the mixed-up one. You're right, upsy-daisy. But I think that would be good. You're up on the wave. You're upsy you're going down your daisy. Yeah, that's very sleepy. Day up, see, up the wave, and down, daisy. Hey, everybody. So I have Upsy Daisies asleep in the studio here. So if you're new to the podcast, this is a little bit strange. Uh, I'm, I'm also petting a set of words. I feel like I'm on Sesame Street now. You know, when you're in front of the rock wall. And the words come by sometimes uh or at least a Sesame Street in my brain, which is uh probably Sesame Street Junior. They didn't have that, but they like if I like they would have it for me. But if this is a podcast sleeps a podcast to put you at ease, just like up see daisy. Sorry I moved in my seat. I was afraid I woke up See daisy up or see Daisy up uh See up, see Daisy up, I, up, see. Sorry, I'm having trouble getting out of this. I'm in a word circle. See Daisy, don't say up, up, see Daisy, don't say PU backwards, scoots. Thank you. So, it's a podcast to which you sleep, put you at ease, take your mind off stuff. Doesn't work for everybody. If you're new, give it a few tries. No pressure, no pressure at all. No pressure to fall asleep, no pressure to like the podcast here for you to try out, but give it a few tries. A lot, a lot of listeners say, hey, if the first time I didn't know what was going on, there's some, and uh, this is fine to call me, this uh, some buffoon talking upsy-daisy nonsense. But then they said, then the next thing I knew I fell asleep, so maybe that'll be you. I hope it is. You know, podcast is free, you know, free to try and then optional to support it, VR sponsors or, or, or listener support, so no pressure at all. Upsy Daisy is so calm here. Makes me feel lazy, Upsy Daisy. See, see how I did that? So give it a shot. Give it a try. See how it goes. I appreciate you coming by. I say this every time. I really work hard. Because uh, I really want to help you fall asleep. Uh, asleep. Uh, like, not a Streep. Uh, Meryl uh, Streep. Uh, Upsy Daisy, were you ever pay, played by Meryl Streep? Upsy Daisy asleep. Okay. Well, uh... Really yearn, I really work hard, and I really want to help you fall asleep. Uh, so thanks a lot. Uh, good night, All right, everybody. Here we are. I already saw it in season three, uh, or season. Well, I don't even know what it is it. Season seven, like uh, episode three, and it's really a great, great, a great time to be a Game of Thrones fan. I can't tell you what. What an episode tonight! Holy moly! I'll tell you what was this like a, it was about the Queen's justice and again the masters of misdirection uh, really uh, like uh, we're in for some great treats and some great surprises uh, but I do also have to say that this was an episode at least on the uh, one side of the coin where everybody was weirding everybody out a little bit with their dialogue there was like in a good way uh, most of the time. Uh, But this was like, uh, and I think in an intentional way, uh, there's a lot of the, like, and that's what we want from our, the side we're rooting for is uh, a little weirdness. And there was a lot of weirdness in here. And it was subtle weirdness. uh, So, like, it doesn't instantly translate. You might say, Scoots, I don't remember. Well, you, can you imagine if Jon Snow and Onion Knight rolled in and they were telling? That was a little weird, but let's wait till we get to that. How's that sound? And we started out with the waves breaking, and then they were the waves were crashing, and a boat came in. The dr- the drums were playing, and we see right away they lead with uh, the arrival of Jon Snow and Ser Davos, such a Dragonstone. So no messing around, like, uh, no, no, like, uh, and Dallas has his hands uh, behind his back, clasped behind his back. Missandei has her hands clasped in front of her and I can't read this, hey, b- 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 sure versus, oh, uh, what does that say? Oh, the bastard of Winterfell versus the dwarf of, uh, the Red Keeper, the, like, uh, so John and, uh, John and uh, Tyrion have a great little exchange where they trade friendly insults and uh, Tyrion gives a little head turn and John gives a little grin and says, yeah, I haven't seen you since you pissed off the edge of the wall. And they talk about, uh, there's a lot of, this is the first that I remember seeing um, the horse lords, which of course, as soon as I try to name them, their name escapes me. Oh, the like, uh, the call, Drogo. What a, uh, hey, man! My brain is uh, sometimes it's just really not uh, worth of uh, in the salt and sea. Oh, Dothraki, because here's my next note. Uh, okay, so then they say, hey, yeah, we've had some scars and some ups and downs. It's been a long road, uh, from Milan to Minsk, Milan to Minsk. If you don't mind me making a Seinfeld reference, uh, Rochelle, Rochelle. Uh, but, you know, it's good to see Sir Davos in the house. He finger does a fingerless handshake, I think. Uh, and uh, Tyrion knows him because Tyrion's up to date and everything. Then Sandy kind of does this robotic uh, welcome and says, how about your weapons? And John gives it to Althraki some eye. He says, okay, I guess. Uh, and then they pull the boat out of the water. Then Davos does the first uh, weird move, uh, totally weird, Uh they're all walking up from the beach, and he like rolls up next to Masande and he's just it was so weird. Uh, like, and then at first I get I got Sergio. Jo- the first time I watched, it, I had Sergio and uh, Onion mixed up, so I said, uh, "Okay, this is the scene I'm watching." I let me just get the dial. Where are you from? He says, and she says, uh, he says I can't place the accent, and she says, "Narth," and he says, "Oh, it's beautiful there. Palm trees and butterflies." Haven't been there though, but I know. And she just gives him a polite nod, like "Stay away from me, old man." And he he just draws back, and he goes, "Things have changed around here." But yeah, at first I thought he was, uh, like I said, did he have a connection to Narth? But now I'm like, oh wait, no, he, I don't think he does. Then they're walking up to the mayor. Uh, they're walking up to the castle. They're talking about the marriage to Sanson never being consummated. And uh, Tyrion makes a couple of jokes. Uh, it it, is, it was con- wasn't consummated. And he goes, She's a lot smarter than she lets on. And uh, John says, She's starting to let on. And they say, Okay, well, I guess that's good. And they talk about that they've both been through a lot and we'll have to exchange tales of what we've been up to. And Tyrion says, By the way, if I was your hand, I would have told you not to come here. Uh, I think John says, it might- Nobody wanted me to come. And Tyrion says, Starks don't do so good in the north or the south. And he, John says, I'm not a Stark. But then the dragons do a flyby, and John and Lenny Knight dive down. And they're on the ground. Tyrion helps John up, and Masande kind of looks unamused uh, and amazed. And what does this say? 758, Davor, Bro. Oh, Davos takes a breath. Uh, Oh, 758 I really liked this shot uh, uh, the red priestess is looking down at them it really reminded me of uh like Kubrick shot for some reason it's like over the shoulder of the wet red priestess she's looking down at uh, them on the, coming up the ramparts at a distance uh, and then speaking of weird then it gets weird again very Var- rolls up on the red priestess he says uh, he's kind of being a jerk he says w- what are you hiding up here uh, he goes, you brought, you invited this guy. He said all this great stuff, and she goes, well, my time of whispering in the ears of kings is over now. And he says, I doubt that uh, once this common folk have the taste of power, we love it. And she goes, well, we're not common folk anymore, dude. She goes, I brought fire and ice together, and now I'm breaking out. Plus, I didn't part on good terms with the king of the north or his advisor. And I loved this moment. It was a really good moment. Uh, really a great acting. Like she's framed against an empty gray sky. And she goes, she goes why? And she goes, things I did, uh, mistakes I made. She says, uh, terrible mistakes. Uh, I'll be a distraction. And he goes, well, where, are you, uh, where are you headed? And she goes, Valeria or, or uh, someplace, I don't know. And he goes, by the way, don't come back, uh of Volantis, uh, and I said, "WTF? What the heck is this? I, I didn't know. Uh, I don't understand this. Is he anti? I guess maybe he just doesn't like. Uh, I don't know. I didn't quite get his total hostility. But uh, uh, whatever. He says, "Don't come back." And he goes, "Oh, I'll return. I have to." Uh, he goes, uh, "She. She goes. This is. You know. I got to come back to this strange land one more time." Uh, and you do you'll be here too uh, we'll be we'll be toast together and he kind of like freaks out then he looks out of the water he sees like a broken up ship coming in spider's freak type but then he sees the ship coming in uh, then the ch- doors of the chamber open up and the Khaleesi's on the throne and Jen's almost let me I'm gonna run through a lot of this dialogue because it was powerful stuff but uh, let me run through the physical stuff first. Let's see, John stands almost sideways. Uh, This is John Snow. Uh, He's king of the north. That's how he gets introduced after Khaleesi gets introduced, like, all of her titles, uh, which I don't think we need to go through that one. Uh, Then he goes, uh, not a herd. What does that mean? King Khaleesi. Oh, she says the lord would do. And he goes, "Yo, he's Ununite steps in. He goes, he's not a lord. He's the king of the north. And then Khaleesi kind of plays some political games for a while. She says, huh, forgive me, but, uh, uh, your, your, your great, great, great grandfather perpetually uh, committed to my family in perpetu- to it per- perpetuity and she goes, uh, like, uh, I saw you were here to bend the knee. It keeps going back to this bend the knee, bend the knee stuff, uh. Here's Khaleesi saying, forgive me, Sir Davos. He goes, I'm not, she goes, I'm not a super educated. Oh, this is when she says, yeah, but the last North uh, King uh, bent the knee to Aegon, and it was in per- perpetuity. That's the perpetuity part. And she goes, oh, d- or do I have my facts wrong? And Onion Knight goes, oh, I wasn't there. And she goes, yeah, no. She goes, oath is oath, uh, right? In perpetuity? Tyrion, what's perpetuity mean, uh, he goes, oh, forever. And she says, forever. And John's now looking. She goes, so you're going to bend the knee? John's like, dude, I don't bend the knee. He's got his uh, grouchy face on. And she goes, at least he's got her displeased uh, patient face on. She goes, well, what did you come all this way here with, uh, just to mess around, break faith? He goes, break faith? He goes, things haven't been so great for you, Targaryens, uh, your dad wasn't that. And she goes, "Yeah, my dad wasn't that great. I apologize on his behalf." And she goes, "I'm not. Don't judge me by. Don't judge a daughter by her father. My daughter will probably be saying that for a long time too." And she goes, "We were allies, uh, and that was the good old days when we were allies. Peace and prosperity. Targaryens and the, you know, and Targaryens and Starks." And uh she goes, I'm the last Targaryen, John Snow. Uh honor the pledge, bend the knee, and you could be king of the north or warden of the north. And she goes, We could protect the country and Tyrion's like a little nervous. John looks around like uh totally awkward, uh, before he answers anything and he goes, uh well, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't. Uh, you're not. Do, I'm not going to judge you by your parents, and I'm not going to st- stake any promises uh, my relatives made. And Khaleesi starts to lose it. She goes, "What do you want?" He goes, uh, "Your help, and I can help you. You need my help. I need you." And she goes, "Did you see those dragons uh, in the Dothraki and uh, all the other stuff?" And John goes, "Yeah." And she goes, I need your help. And Davos goes, well, no, 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 not for King's Landing. I'm sure you could take that out. Uh, we almost did it. And Tyrion goes, but you didn't. And John uh, goes, yeah, because you're, you're peace. You, you like peace. You don't want to use the dragons. And, uh, you know, you're, you're anti-collateral. Uh, you're better than Cersei. And then she goes, well, why do I need your help, Uh and then John gets weird because he's talking crazy talk. Uh, he goes, "We're all children playing at a game, screaming the rules aren't fair." And Khaleesi goes, "Did he just cheering? Did he just call me a child?" And he goes, "Well, he called everybody children, so that means not not really. Figure of speech." And uh, John goes, "The winter's coming, uh, Khaleesi. We got uh, white walkers and uh, ice people and stuff." And she's like, "What in the heck is this dude talking about, dude? Is that a figure of speech?" And he goes, "No, no, no." He goes, "Have you seen a Bruce Campbell movie?" And uh, Tyrion goes, or uh, he, John goes, Tyrion, don't do you think I'm lying about Bruce Campbell movies uh, being real? And uh, John goes, "This is for real, man. We're going to squabble uh, like a bunch of kids." And uh, he gets too irritated. And then Onion Knight steps in. He goes, I know what this dude's talking nonsense. Uh, he sounds like a fool, doesn't he? And John kind of rolls his eyes almost. Oh, first Khaleesi burned. You know, she says, wasn't your dad best friends with Robert? Uh, and, uh, he, you know, Robert tried to take me out. With, with Varys, by the way. You know, I guess I covered the last episode. And that's when Onion Knight goes, you know, Khaleesi's like, I've been through a lot. uh I had to deal with a lot of men that know everything, uh, trying to, you know, they put me through, treated me like a brood mare, and worse, uh, betrayed, chained, breaker of chains. And she goes, do you know what kept me standing in exile? Faith. And now she's really on. She goes, not in any gods, uh, not in myths and legends, but in myself. In Daenerys Tar- Targaryen, she goes, I got the dragons. I brought the uh, horse lords across the water. She, she goes, they all did it for me. She goes, I'm born to rule. Like some people were born to run a baby. I was born to rule. And John says, no, well, you don't want to rule. Then I think the Onion Knight, the whole time in the background, he's kind of like uh, waiting for his moments. And I guess I keep wanting to give it to him. And then Tyrion kind of says, hey, like, uh, we're dealing with Cersei now, dude. And now he says, and now, now the Onion says, this is, sounds like a, much, a fool babbling nonsense. But Onion Knight says, maybe it's destiny. You're here. He's here. You brought the Dorthraki. He brought the wildlings and the Northmen. He goes, these are unprecedented things. Uh, and then he goes, by the way, he also, you know, was taken out he's a bastard he's tough he's a leader he goes they believe in you the other, they believe in him uh, he goes he's faced these things that he's talking about for the good of his people risked his life for his people lost anyway oh boy and Khaleesi gives a wtf look to Tyrion on that uh and he goes, if we don't put my aside our enmities uh, to get aside, which is great uh, language use. Right? And then Tyrion goes, well, if, if we're all in trouble, just kneel then and let's deal with Cersei. And then and John's got no patience. He goes, there's no time. Let's see. What else? Uh, uh, thirteen, thirteen. John does a few seconds of looking around all put out. I liked that. Uh, you're right. You, you uh, need me. I need you. Oh, what about those dragons? Uh, both want to help people. Sub uh, sounds like nonsense. Uh, uh, John silences him. Uh, Scalise says, well, you might say, What are you, in open, I guess you're, if I'm the queen, you're in open rebellion. And then Varys comes ja- jogging in, which was interesting, watching him jog. Whispers in the Khaleesi, and Khaleesi says, supper and bath in the rooms. It's uh, like the biggest uh, Dothraki there is. So they give these guys the hot baths and put them in the rooms, put them in bed with supper. Not without supper, though. And they are alone with the Khaleesi uh, and her crew, and is like got his report. He goes, there's bad news, and then there's bad news. Uh, and he goes, all the ships are gone. And everybody, everybody's gone. They lost all the pogs and the marbles. Uh, and she goes, everybody? And then we see Theon, who's, like, very pale on a ship. Uh, and then we cut to King's Landing, where there's a parade with Euron blowing kisses to everybody. What does they put? Yeah? Oh, I got to look at the dialogue. somebody It sounded like somebody said, yeah, something. I can't read my handwriting, but it was something, like, pop culture and uh, then, uh, collapsing in the audience, he goes into the audience room and there's collapsing uh, June Should Face. Uh, uh, oh, Jamie has a shocked face. Uh, but this Euron, he's really a rock star and uh, he's eating it up. He loves the love of the audience, he loves the, the big stage. And he also loves running his mouth, uh, which, you know, he's really good at that. So he rolls in with Ellie Sand and her youngest daughter, and Yara, Greyjoy, whose name I looked up. Uh, and uh, Ellie and uh, Seriously have a showdown after Euron's like, Here you go. I told nobody could do it uh, but me. I gave you this gift uh, from your loyal subjects on the Iron Islands. He goes, No other man could do that. That's when he looks at Jamie. Really gives him a look, uh, and he stands at the head of the stage like a king of the castle. And Jamie has to just swallow because he's so uncomfortable with uh, with Euron smiling. Uh, and seriously, goes, "Great job. Uh, we could be friends." He goes, "No, more than friends." And she goes, "Yeah, you'll get a reward after uh, after everything dies down, uh, after the trouble." And then Euron goes and harasses Jamie for a little while. Uh, then Cersei goes and talks to Elias Sand. And they talk about the lipsticks they like. Lipsticks of life, they call it. Uh, it liked when she says, Sir Gregor's stronger than ever. And Cersei basically tells the Sands that she's like, you know what? Uh, she goes, you're going to have to, go, she goes, 99 cents store lipstick for the two of you. And Ellie Sand goes, "Well, I'd just rather not wear any lipstick than have 99-cent store of lipstick." And Cersei so goes, "Why?" And she goes, "By the way, your daughter will be wearing 99-cent store of lipstick and lip gloss." And Ellie Sands goes, "Because we don't know why. Why is a lipstick being sold in a 99-cent store, and what's in it? And then why did it? Why isn't it being sold at regular price anymore?" And Cersei just laughs, and she goes, well, but bring in extra mirrors. I want them to be looking at mirrors all the time. And she goes, enjoy your lipstick and your lip gloss. And she gives them a kiss with expensive lipstick uh, to seal it all. Special Clyburn's cosmeticist or whatever. Kiss farewell. Uh, Then Jamie's, uh, oh, we go into a room, Jamie has his hand off, he's rubbing it, uh, but he's a little bit, he's getting drunk, I think, but he's a little bit ashamed of his hand. As soon as Cersei comes, on, comes in, he tries to put his hand, his, uh, his uh, brass hand on her golden hand. And he can't get it back in, on in time. And Cersei is very randy. Uh, she's ready to make out. Uh, and at first, Jamie's trying to like resist, uh, but he can't. Uh, and uh, so then it's the next day, they're in bed together, and there's a knock at the door. And Cersei gets out of bed, and Jamie goes, Well, we can't let anybody see us. Oh, uh, well, first he's staring, another weird move. He's staring at her like a total lover love eyes uh, while she's trying to sleep. Uh, and she goes, I'm the queen. I don't care what people think about me, uh, what, about our situation. She goes. I, I decided to base my life on the Flowers in the Attic movie a long time ago. And there's an assistant at the door. Or something. And she goes. Oh, there's Bra- somebody from Bravos here. And Cersei goes. Change the sheets. Uh, and she closes the door. And both Jamie and Cersei kind of have a laugh. And then there's two glasses of wine. And we see the uh, like the head banker of Bravos. And he's like, "No wine for me." Cersei's like, "All right, I'll take both glasses." Uh, and he says, hey, by the way, my condolences. Also, congratulations on uh, casting off the yoke of superstition. And she goes, she, he goes, there's one thing we dislike. It's that liberation theology with that dude. Uh, and uh, like, uh, she burns him back because uh, he, he goes, uh, well, war is not cheap. Uh, so what are you going to do? Because you don't really have any money. You're surrounded, and she goes, "Well, are you going to invest in liberators or?" Uh... And he goes, "Well, there has been a downturn in the non-liberation market, uh, where we, you know, the infringing of free will for profit." Uh, and Cersei she goes, "Do you want to support a monarch or a revolutionary? What's better for who pays more debt? Uh, like, uh, like again, it's kind of this different, uh, like." Uh, I don't know. There's still some other uh, elements of xenophobia or whatever, but uh, this is more about, uh, I guess, class warfare or whatever. Or not, yeah, warfare for the classes. Uh, and he of—he never—he's a bluffer. He never says—he says, okay. And she goes, give me a month and uh, I'll get your money. And he keeps talking about how similar she is to her father in her uh, aptitude for these situations. Then we're on a windy bluff, and Tyrion and Jon are looking out. It's an amazing view. And Tyrion makes a joke. He goes, man, you look a lot better brooding than I do. You make me feel like I'm failing in my brooding about failing. And Jon says, all that weird stuff. I said, you don't believe it? He goes, you always said that it was just grumskins and snarks, snarks. And Tyrion says, I trust uh, the eyes of an honest man versus uh, what everybody knows. And John goes, what, am I captive here? He goes, no, 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 you're all, like, uh, comfortably captive. Uh, And John goes, I really blew it. Uh, You took my ship, too. He goes, we didn't technically, he goes, no word games. John goes, you don't get it about, uh. Like, I like how these, like, it's really human, like, how this single-mindedness, even though it's something giant, uh, uh, like, uh, John has this single-mindedness and so does the Galicia in some sense, and they can't kind of see the middle. I and mean, it's like how life is. Uh, but this is, like, the best advice Tyrion goes, uh, gives pretty much for anything. Uh, he goes, uh, like, uh, what does he say? Because, didn't you say all that kind of stuff was nonsense and everybody knew it? And then he says, Well, you saw Mormon saw it, so I believe it. But uh, he goes, Can't give you some advice. Because John goes, How do I convince everybody to, to believe what I believe? Uh, and he goes, People, Steering says, People's minds aren't made for problems that large, uh, these big things. Uh, He goes, it's more of a relief to confront something familiar, like my sister, like a familiar antagonist. Uh, And John goes, well, I got to get to work for the North. I can't do anything here. And he goes, I'd like to leave. And Tyrion kind of shakes his head. He goes, I can't believe you're giving up so easy, bro. And John goes, well, I was supposed to learn from my father's mistakes. Don't go south that did that. Uh, Don't go talk to the... uh, Uh, Khaleesi did that. uh, I'm a northern fool or something. And Tyrion, just on the edge of the last scene, he goes, children aren't their fathers. Uh, And he goes, sometimes there's more than meets the eye. He goes, with everybody. He goes, maybe you should learn a a little bit more about uh, Daenerys Uh, and what she's done. Talk to some people that know her and see what they think of her uh, because she's a protector just like you are. And that's why she's here. And she's not just going to run off to the north for like on a guy she doesn't know and nonsense after meeting him once. Uh, it's not a reasonable thing to ask. And then he goes, ask me for something reasonable. Uh, well, first John starts to storm off. Uh, he goes, you know, one step at a time, bro, like uh, baby steps. And then we see that Khaleesi... And she goes, "Dragon glass, what?" And he goes, "Yeah, there's a cheer And he says, "Yeah, there's a bunch of it here." Uh, and she goes, "Well, what do you think? I thought we were going to get an ally out of this. Uh, we got trouble." And she goes, well, "What does you want dragon glass for?" And John goes, "It couldn't help against these uh, dudes in the like the White Walkers." So he like uh, maybe you should just give it to them because it's not worth anything to you anyway. And she goes, well, what do you think about the situation that he's talking about? Uh, and Tyrion goes, I wish it wasn't true. But he goes, a wise man told me, uh, don't believe something just because you want to. And there's a little amusement. She goes, which wise man was that? Uh, he goes, I don't remember. She goes, are you making up, uh, presenting your own statements as ancient wisdom? And he goes, I would never do that to you. And she almost laughs. Uh, he goes. Jon Snow came here, even though no to everyone told him not to. So that's a positive. Let's look at the positives. She goes. Just let him ma- mind the dragon glass, and uh, let's like keep him distracted while we get to work. Uh, uh, getting this, we you know take a productive, take a step forward to a productive relationship with a possible ally. And she goes. Well, what was that? I think Sir Davos said about? Uh, like, uh, that weird stuff. Did you notice how weird those dudes are? He goes, he, Tyrion goes, allow them, their flight's of so fancy, it's dreary in the north. Uh, then we have, like, uh, what does this say? Oh, then we have, uh, John looking at the Khaleesi and her dragons, and he goes, goes down and talks to her. He goes, pretty amazing. She goes, yeah, they're named after my brothers that I lost. Yeah, I heard you lost your brothers too. And John goes, yeah. And she goes, the people thought the dragons were gone, but, uh, they're here. Uh, maybe people should be examining what they think they know. And he goes, that sounds like some Tyrion would say. And she goes, hmm, possibly. She makes a face. He is my hand. Uh, and he, John says he enjoys talking. And she says, well, we all do enjoy doing what we're good at. He goes, I don't, uh, uh, because, you know, what he's good at. And then, uh. She goes, did you think about uh, changing your mind? And he goes, no. And she goes, well, neither have I. So they have this little impasse. Uh, and uh, then Khaleesi says, well, I guess I got to wear the big boy pants. Uh, and she goes, why don't you take some of that glass, and uh, we'll help you get it out. Uh, and John goes, you got to be kidding me, really? Thanks. And she kind of turns away from him. And he says, uh, d- by the way, did you believe all that weird stuff I said about the, like all the stuff in the North? Uh, it just goes, uh, get to work, John Snow. I loved it. She wouldn't even look at him. But then when he walks off, she looks after him, uh, like kind of contemplating something. I don't know what, uh, and then we're in the North, uh, with, uh, larders, 4,000 bushels, the maester says, uh. It's Sansa, the Breastplate dude, the weird maester, and Baelish. And Sansa says, well, how long is this winter going to last? And the dude says, I don't know. But uh, the old maester Llewellyn had copies of all the scrolls. And I don't know if that's going to get called back, but Baelish did look over. And he's still running them side by side. And then Sansa says, yo, Mr. Breastplate, how about some leather on these breastplates? Uh then she says, Maester, go get some ga- g- grain. Come on, pull it together, you two clowns. And Baelish likes that. He goes, so command suits you. And then we have another, then Baelish says something weird, which is kind of like for all of us that can't sleep, exactly what's going on. So I guess Peter Baelish doesn't sleep, uh. Because he says, yeah, command suits you. And then he goes, by the way, I know—he goes, you got to get ready. Cer- I know Cersei better than better than everybody. And Sansa goes, no, you don't. Uh, I do. Like, I've uh, been through a lot more with her than you have. And then Baelish stops her, and he kind of talks about his mindset, which is r- like, holy cow. So listen to this. Uh, they're out in a courtyard, and he's talking about possibilities, and— uh, and he goes, you know, like, uh, we got to deal with Cersei because if, the other, if we, you know, we could deal with the other thing. He says, uh, he goes, what, what then? He goes, don't fight in the north or the south. Fight everywhere, every battle, everywhere, always in your mind. Fight every battle, everywhere, always in your mind. Everyone is, you know, an antagonist. Everyone is your friend. Every possible series of events is happening all at once, uh, Live that way and nothing will surprise you. Everything that happens will be something you've seen before. I've tried to live that way. It doesn't work for me. But then we have this interesting twist on the same idea, because then they say Sansa, somebody's at the gate. Tyrion gives a grin like he knows who's there. Or not Tyrion, uh, Baelish. And then who is it but Bran? And I, cry, I did cry at this first reunion. Uh, I wonder if it was going to be Ari or Bran. It's Bran. And I did shed some tears as uh, Sansa hugs him, but Bran's kind of robotic already. So he doesn't, he's not as affectionate as his sister. He does have a nice smile, but it's kind of like a weird studied smile. And he says, hello, Sansa. And yeah, it brought me to tears, uh, and then they're down in the Weirwoods, and, uh, uh there's, like, this, uh, Weirwood face that looks like, uh, that looks like it's, like, out of a Chuck E. Cheese, like, Disney ride, and that's going to erupt into song at any moment, uh, so that kind of just, like, would put me off a little bit, but he, then, uh, Brent says, geez, I wish John was here. I gotta talk to him. And see, it goes, your father's Trueborn son, so you're the king of the north, uh, and he goes, you know, I'm the three-eyed raven. I can't be a lord. I'm the three-eyed raven. Oh, so raven. You see, she goes, what does that even mean? And he goes, yeah, it's tough to explain. And she goes, can you try, please? Uh, and then he says almost the same thing as Bayless. She says, I can see everything. Everything that's happened to, to before to everybody, everything that's happening now. He goes, It's all pieces, fragments, uh, but I've seen it and i, I got to keep wor- learning better. Uh, so when the long night comes, I'll be ready. And then he looks at the tree, like, then it looks like the tree's going to sing. And Stan's, goes, How did you know? And he goes, Three eyed raven taught me. And she goes, I, I thought you were the three eyed raven. He goes, Yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, And uh, they say she said, you know, they have some empathy and compassion for one another they've been through. Another subtle theme in this episode, like there's a lot like uh, empathy for what people have been through. Reconnection. Poison is another theme and uh, antagonists uh, or one of the antagonist prototypes. Yeah. Seeing all things at once, I guess, is another small theme in these two scenes and then uh, Getting Back at People is another one uh, that comes up a lot in this episode. Really, a lot of classic uh, GOT themes. But Bran weirds uh, Sans out, so she walks off. And then Sir Jor is getting inspected with the uh, the probe of uh, the Grand Maester, who says, "Jeez, you're cured. Holy cow. What do you think did it? Uh? And uh, Sir Jor says, I think it was the rest in the climate uh, and uh, he almost, uh, Sam's like, they almost crack up. Uh, and Maester's like, well, that's, he goes, Charlie, we're going to have to have a meeting later because this is weird. It looks like somebody used some ungent and uh, ungent on you. He goes, uh, like, uh, whatever. And then he had, the Maester heads out. Uh, and George uh, uh, goes, I got to get back to my Khaleesi. I owe my life to her and to you. And so they say goodbye, and there's a handshake. Hey, maybe we'll see each other again. Jora Jorah does a double handshake, you know, because Sam's really risked uh, saving him and then reinforcing that by physically touching him. And uh, then there's a moment where uh, after Sam leaves, Jorah's just looking out the window as the sunlight streams in. And it was like a, it was a good moment, really great sunlight. And uh, I'm wondering what the heck he's thinking. And then we have a nice scene with the maester and Sam. He says basically like, uh, like really, if you're a writer, uh, you could probably study this scene. I'll tell you when it starts. It's about to start uh, somewhere around 50 minutes. Like I really saw for a little tiny scene. This was a master class of like. Uh, these two people want things and the story changes just in the scene a few different times. Uh, cause first Sam's in trouble, uh, and he's going to, you know, you're like, how busted is he going to be? And then the master's like, uh, Hey Sam, by the way, you must feel pretty good saving that guy. Even though you broke the rules, you saved him. And maybe it's just these two actors are really bringing their A game. And the right, I just see some of the writing too. Uh, he says, uh, what does he say, you know, he goes, you didn't, he goes, you didn't, he goes, it was a difficult, meticulous procedure. Many masters with whose chains are heavy with healing links have attempted and failed. How'd you do it? Sam goes, I filed the directions. I mean, to write like that is so difficult. Dialogue, holy moly. And then he goes, okay, well, uh, yeah, you must feel good. Great job. Come over here. He goes, look at all these old scrolls and some old books. Uh, he goes, they need all copy. They need all these copied. Uh, and Sam gives a great face. Uh, what's the timestamp on that? Oh, I don't see the timestamp. But on copy, so around fifty-one minutes. Uh, he goes, watch out for those paper mites. They don't like people either. He goes, you didn't think you were going to get out of this without some sort of punishment. Uh, he goes, your reward is you get to stay in school, uh, Harry Potter or whatever heck you. Uh, he goes, that's your reward. Uh, so just like Sam's face. So it's, uh, yeah, 5130, like worth it. This whole scene is worth it. Like, uh, And then we have the planning table. So now we're in the action. And I couldn't believe, I was like, is this going to be two episodes in a row that end with action? And no, it, like uh, g- this had so many twists and turns. Uh, so at the planning table, Khaleesi's talking about getting more ships. uh then they're talking about the Unsullied being a casterly rock. Uh, then Tyrion starts laying out the plan. You know, the ships are going to be ready. The castle will be ready. The gates are impregnable. He goes, well, my father built this castle. He built everything to be impregnable except for the sewers. He had me built the sewers. And he goes, I put a little secret door in there for myself. So the Unsullied go in through the secret door and he goes, and so it begins, uh, and I liked that line, and he says, like, this heroic stuff, uh, he goes, because uh, the Lannisters, they fight for fear of Cersei, but he goes, your soldiers, they fight because they believe in you, and then I put, button out enough, I don't know if that was my note or from the show, but basically, they get played the fool, because after they take over Casually uh, Rock, Grey Worm realizes, he says, where is everybody? There's not enough Lannisters. And then they, re- then the fl- their fleet gets uh, toasted uh, by the uh, Euron's fleets. And then we see, like, uh, where are the Lannisters again? And then we see this shot of Jamie on a white horse. It's a weird shot. I don't know what was weird about it. Uh, but he's like, maybe it was like all shot on a green screen. But... Uh, He's on a horse, and then all of a sudden he goes in front of the Tarleys and Braun, which is good to see Braun again, but uh, I don't know. Maybe Braun will be the uh, Sir Jorah this season because he's on the wrong side, but who knows what next week. Uh, and then I didn't know where they were at first. They're at another castle. I said, are they outside of Castle Rock? Uh, but then we see Olan is watching... And uh, then all the Lannister soldiers line up and she walks away. She's really in a high tower and the sun's setting on the valley that they live in. Beautiful shots or beautiful uh, uh, scene painting. And then we have this long shot of Jamie walking or shots of Jamie walking, reigns the Castamere up and through the castle, up and up and up uh, into Oleana's office where she sits. And they do a double bow to one another. And she goes, she says, is it done? And Jamie goes, it is. Uh, and he pours two glasses of wine. And Jamie Kennedy says, she goes, uh, so you got everybody. Uh, she goes, you abandoned uh, like uh, the castle uh, and then brought everybody here. You thought, They thought you'd be there. And he goes, yeah, I learned that one from Rob Stark. Oh, first Oleana says, and now the rains weep over our halls. uh uh, Jamie goes, You know, you got to learn from failure. And I learned from the failure in Rob Stark. Uh, and she, what does she say? She goes, uh, She goes, You must be getting very well. Let me wait and see uh, what she says. Jamie's pouring the wine right now. He says, Yeah, we didn't need Casterly Rock. Uh, she goes, Well, why didn't you, I don't know why your father didn't take it. And she goes, Well, I guess I'll get to ask him. And Jamie goes, we'll be able to take it back, you know, and they're going to have to march all the way across the country. Yeah, Jamie says, as Rob Stark did to me, there are always lessons in failure. She goes, you must be very wise by now. And Jamie says, yeah, my father said I was a slow learner. And then she took and says, what are you going to do? She goes, is that a, what's his name, Sword, uh, your son that was a jerk, uh, Joffrey? What was he called? He goes, Widow's a Whale. And she goes, I, did, I dis- greatly dislike your son. And then Oleana just says, It's time for one last thing of truth, by the way. She goes, Your sister's, she goes, I've done a lot of bad stuff, but your sister's 10 times worse. Uh, she goes, I didn't realize, she goes, I had the lack of imagination of how twisted uh, someone's ambition could be. She goes, I always did what was necessary. Yeah, for the safety of House Tyrell. But she goes, you're blowing up a church, uh, yada, yada, yada. And Jamie goes, well, yeah, that's the antagonist, protagonist thing. Uh, You see her as an antagonist, but she's really a hero. And everyone else is going to see her as a hero once she gets peace and, you know, domination. Xenophobe, you know, people are going to love her. And she, then only says, oh, you're in love with her. Just like uh, What's-His-Name had done it like last season. Uh, she goes, she's going to take you down, uh, all the way down. But you really, she goes, you poor fool. She's going to be the end of you. And Jamie says, possibly. Uh, not much to be gained by talking about it, though. Really good acting. And Oleana says, well, why not talk about it? I'm not going to be here very long to tell anybody. And she goes, well, perhaps you're right. Uh, if she's driven you this far, it's gone beyond your control. And Jamie says, yeah, you're right. He even kind of just barely twitches. Uh, and Oleana says, I never should have been involved with her, and I regret it, and you will too. And Jamie says, that's it. Uh, drink this wine uh, and take a nap. And Circe, or I mean, uh, Oleana, she pounds her wine. wine. She, oh, she goes, she well, well, so I'm just going to go straight to sleep. And Jamie goes, yeah. And at, she goes, ah, good. And then she pounds her wine. And at first I said, why? I didn't get it. I said, uh, that's very out of character for her. Uh, she goes, yeah, what is it gonna, am I going to go straight to sleep? Uh, Jamie goes, nope. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're going to go straight to sleep. She goes, that's good. Then she pounds it. Uh, but then you see the reason why. She says, by the way, all that stuff with Joffrey's, uh, the pies being spoiled at his wedding, that was me. Because, uh, you know, I never, you know, he was the worst. And she goes, that's so good. She goes, I didn't mean it for, for, like to ruin every pie at his wedding. Uh, but it uh, must have been rough uh, having that wedding ruined. And let's you know, give, give that Lannister my regards because uh, that was me. Ruined, it, ruined uh, uh, Joff's wedding. And Jamie's shocked. Uh, like he's quivering just a little bit. Controlled quivering. Very in character. And then, yeah, that's the end of the episode. And says, I want her to know it was me. And Jamie kind of quivers, his lip quivers. She stares at him. And he looks down, looks away, and walks off. And that the episode comes to a close. Another brilliant, brilliant episode. And really, uh, d- despite the, the things still not being great for Khaleesi, uh, I guess because it, in the end, uh, like the way it ended, it was just like on an up note for every, most people. Uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed that episode. All right, so we're talking about uh, this episode, and so just run some, through some facts that came up. Especially if you're prepping for the SAT, this will be a good one. But first, was was Varys. Uh, I forgot where he was from, and when he was talking to the Red Priestess, I said, where is that dude from? And it ends up he's from Lys, uh, which, uh, let me look at a map here and see how far that is from uh I mean, I know he doesn't like magic because uh, he got messed with by a sorcerer. Yeah, so it isn't that far. It's south of Pentos, northwest of Volantis. Uh, so not too far away. So there's just one thing that came up. Was uh, It's part of the Valerian Freehold. And, uh, yeah, so that's just a little thing about Varys that I said, what in the heck... Uh, and I still don't totally understand uh, what he has against the red woman. I guess just magic users in general and over-religious people. Yeah, the next was the word enmity, E-N-M-I-T-Y. Great word, hard to say, and easily confused. Yeah, emnities enmity, E-N-M-I-T-Y. Uh, it's a noun, and it's a feeling or condition of hostility, ill will, animosity, or antagonism. I think it was enmities. It may have been Sir, George, uh, Sir uh, uh, Davos that said it. it is some synonyms are malice, acrimony, or rancor, and can be confused with amity. And enmity uh, am, 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 am and enmity like ebony and ivory. Uh, So that was just one word that came up. Uh, There's another word in a minute. Then when they were standing on the cliffs, I don't know any, I know there's listeners in Dover and I know there's listeners near Dover, but like I've heard of the White Cliffs of Dover. I've never been to them. Yeah, but I've heard of their beauty, I've seen pictures of their beauty, and just like some of them at Dragonstone made me think of the White Cliffs of Dover, not comparing apples to apples or anything. But I said, let's find out some facts about the White Cliffs of Dover over on Wikipedia. And they're on the Strait of Dover, uh, uh, face, or they face the Strait of Dover in France. Uh, they're part of the North Downs Formation Uh, which can reach up to 350 feet, 110 meters. uh, And they owe their striking appearance to the composition of chalk uh, and flint. uh, And they stretch along the coastline for eight miles, uh, spreading east and west from the town of Dover and the county of Kent. And it's an ancient and still important English port. Uh, They have great symbolic value. Because uh, they faced towards continental Europe across the north, the narrowest part of the English Channel. And that's where invaders would come, actually. Uh, so they form a symbolic guard. And the National Trust called them an icon of Britain. And before air travel, across the crossing of Dover was the primary route to the continent. Uh, so they formed the first or last to site for British travelers. And uh, also, I guess I haven't seen Dunkirk yet. It's on my list. Uh, but I, I, I don't, so I don't know if it plays a, a role in Dunkirk. Now, geologically, the cliffs were formed at the same time as the Strait of Dover by Ice Age floods. Uh, they're mainly chalk with some uh, uh, coccoliths, uh, pieces of calcium carbonates, uh, old uh, plankton, planktonic algae. And then sediment, Flint and Quartz. Now, it does continue to weather at the average rate of one centimeter a year. And some stuff does fall into the channel. And there's a lot of birds and stuff on that. But that's the White Cliffs of Dover. Uh, You could head over to Kent, you know, to County Kent uh, and check it out. And, uh, you know, like, do yourself a favor. Uh, Go see the White Cliffs of Dover. And wear a ribbon in your hair when you do. Now, how about those bushels? That also came up, and I said, uh, what, you know, if a hay penny will do in a pack, is it like, you know, what? how much is in a bushel? And a bushel is an imperial and U.S. customary unit of weight or mass uh, based on an earlier message, measure of dry capacity. So we were talking about the dry capacity. An old bushel was equal to two kennings or four packs or eight gallons, uh, and it was mostly used for agricultural products such as wheat, so eight gallons of dried wheat. Uh, In modern usage, uh, the volume is nominal, with the bushels denoting a mass uh, designed for each commodity differently, you know, because they have different masses. it was an intermediate value between the pound or the ton that was introduced during the Norman Conquest. Uh, and L- Norman statutes made the London bushel part of the legal measure of English wine, ale, and grains. Uh, and this was like in the twelfth to 1300s. It's usually credited to Edward I. II. who devi- decide- defined the London bushel in terms of the larger corn gallon. In either case, the bushel is reckoned to contain 64 pounds or 12 ounces or 20 pence of 32 grains. And then the imperial bushel was established in 1824, uh, and it would contain 80 Vero voice pounds of distilled water at 62 degrees or 8 imperial gallons. Now I think a bushel is just... Uh, like we get, I think you get a farmer's market, but uh, but, but I don't know, Like, I just, It just it's green, I believe, but that's also based on nothing that I know. So that's a bushel. And how about another vocabulary word, students? How about ungent? U uh, n g u e n t, ungent, and it's actually in the Urban Dictionary, correctly defined, but with a weird uh, uh, like thing on there. But I found this mnemonic dictionary, like, because this is a hard word to spell. And it's a beautiful word, ungent, uh, rhymes with pungent, in case you're rapping. And it's a uh, semi-solid preparation, usually containing medicine, applied externally as a remedy or soothing an irritation. Some synonyms, some, one of our favorite synonyms, balm, ointment, salve, or unction, Holy conjunction, junction, what's your unction? Put it on me, man. You know, like rub it on my belly like it's guava jelly. Uh, but the mnemonic aids for ungent uh, can be rephrased as urgent and as used to say there is an urgent need for ungent. Or, there is an urgent need for the ointment ungent. Uh, wait, is that? A, I don't know what a mnemonic aid is, believe it or not. Uh, here's one, unj, which is body in Hindi, plus bent is injury. Ungent, uh, so you need ointment. Uh, this one says it's easy. Ointment is a ceremony that marks a kid becoming a man. A kid or an ungent. Uh, I don't get that. It says get it and I don't. Uh, here's some synonyms, otherwise analgesic application. Anyway, I think that was the highest voted mnemonic memory aid for urgent. Uh, it's uh, I have an urgent need for ungent. I guess that is pretty uh, good. Uh, I have, but uh, so that's so that's urgent. Uh, my definition was not pungent. And let's cap it off with a couple uh, like uh, poetic versions of songs here. This one reminded me of Sir Jorah saying, God, get right back to my baby, like Vivian Green used to sing. Uh, I think he was looking at the window at the sun, and he was saying, what you did to me this morning. Had me late for work, I'm stressing. miss my meeting, all I'm thinking about is you, 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 Khaleesi. And now I'm looking at the clock, counting the hours till I'm back in your arms. Wish I had never let you go. Time can't move fast enough until I get right back to my Khaleesi. Get right back to my Khaleesi. Get right back to my Khaleesi. Get right back to... Ooh. Uh, stuck in transit, off daydreaming. I miss you. There's so many reasons. Most of all, I really want to lay with you and just to feel your touch, uh, babe. And now I'm looking at the clock, You're counting the hours till I'm back in your arms. Wish I'd never let you go. And then again, like, got to get back to my Khaleesi. Khaleesi, I'm addicted to every single part of you, but I swear this addiction is healthy. That's definitely next to something Sir Jorah would say. That un, you know, if someone says that to you, that means they're undateable for you. Uh, serve me up another dose and babe, get ready, babe. I got to go. Oh, oh. Wish I had never let you go. Oh, 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 oh. Got to get back to my Khaleesi. And then Capping It Off is a song that the Khaleesi was talking about, Faith in Herself, uh, and that reminded me of a great song written by a great, like, performed and written by a great man. It used to be part of a great team. Uh, but, but I don't know who Khaleesi would be singing this to. Maybe just to our dragons, like, as they're crossing the sea in, like, a metaphorical way. Yeah, But here it goes about faith. Uh, well, I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. Because I know not everybody's got a body like you, draw, draw, you know, like dragon, but I gotta think twice before I throw my heart away. Because I know all the dragon games you play, because I play them too. Oh, but I need some time off from that emotion. Time to pick my heart up off the floor. Oh, and that love comes down without devotion. Well, it takes a strong man, baby. But in this case, it's a friggin' Khaleesi to kick in the patriarchy. Because I'm showing that the door... 'Cause you gotta have faith, and in Khaleesi, I've gotta have faith. Uh, but there's weird stuff going on. But I still gotta have faith. The faith, the faith, faith. Uh, Khaleesi. I know you're asking me to stay. This is what Sir, Sir Jorah actually said: "Stay. Say please, please, please. Don't go away. Uh, say I'm giving you the stone cold blues, uh, uh, Khaleesi." but I know you mean every word you say, but I can't think of yesterday. And another who tied me down to lover boy rules, uh, like other dude, Khaleesi, who was played by two actors. And then Chajoro goes on, before this river becomes an ocean, before you throw my heart back on the floor, oh, Khaleesi, I reconsider my foolish notion when I need someone to hold me, but I wait for something more. Yes, I got to have faith in my Khaleesi. Got to have faith. Uh, I just got to wait uh, because I got to have faith. Uh, before this river becomes an ocean. Before you throw my heart back on the floor. Oh, baby, I reconsider my foolish notion. Well, I need someone to hold me, but while I wait for something more. You got to have faith in your Khaleesi's. Uh, all right, let's keep the show going. Look. Okay. Okay, Batman, are you ready? Are you ready with your script? Yeah, I think I'm ready, Tommen. Okay, so I'll do the K-Pounce, and then you do the new intro, and then a Pounce and I will take it from there. Okay, great. Uh, this is, thank you for joining the Adventures of Tommen and Pounce in Windflow. And now, for your afternoon on K-Pounce Radio, a brand-new show, only in its second episode... Cape House Radio is proud to present Everyday Solutions with uh, Burlinghoffer and friends. Uh, oh, oh, thank you, everybody. This is uh, uh, Rasmussen Burlinghoffer, uh, the professor, Professor Rasmussen Burlinghoffer. And today I have—I'm lucky enough to have uh, one of the world's leading scientists, a uh, uh, doctor. A uh, pawprint uh, here. He, he's also a friend of Harold, who has a podcast called Pawprint. podman told me to say that. Uh, oh, but Doctor Pawprint, could you say hello to everyone? How? Oh, Doctor Pawprint, you sounded just like you said hello, and you have the cutest wet nose you do. Uh, also, it's a so pounce in case anybody doesn't know. This is Doctor. He's and he has dressed like a doctor. oh a pounce, and. Yes, oh, thank you, Doctor. Thank you for reminding me why you're here. Now, here on Everyday Solutions, as you may or may not know... Also, I'm Tom... It's me. It's Sir Tommen. I'm pretending to be Rasmussen Burlinghoffer. Uh, this is so fun. This is like an informer, shall they say. Okay. Oh, thanks, Dean. Uh, yes, this is Rasmussen Burlinghoffer. I was just explaining... Sorry, I was interrupted by one of the stagehands. Now, I—you may know me from my famous journeys across time and space, where I try to return to your time with everyday solutions. Unc—I think. Hold, excuse me one second, Dean. Bad man. I thought. Why is everyday solutions is not what we came up with? That just doesn't sound exciting. Okay. Uh, how about unbelievable sol- solutions to everyday problems? Okay. Okay, yes, thanks, Dean. Sorry about that, folks. We just had a satellite outage. Uh, also, the you know who else? Is, uh, there's, a, there's a man on TV called Wolf Blitzer. Wolf Blitzer. I laughed at that. I said mother would not. She would have him on a pike. She'd say, Wolf Blitzer. Who is that? Oh, my mother. Anyway, thanks, Dean. Uh, yes, uh, so this is, again, another episode of... Uh, Amazing solutions to everyday problems from other worlds, from the future actually. And we've been talking here, Dr. Dr. Popper and I, Dr. Ma'am, and we have found, as in my study of the future in the past has come, uh, that many people are in need of something every single day. And every day, they they use it in the most inconvenient way, whether they have to strain or to open up a bottle, which is made from plastics, or they have to turn on a faucet and wait for it to fill up, or they're in another room and they have to go all the way to a room where they can get water. And I know how people like to drink water, or they use it, or... Uh, you, you need it. You need water. Mother used to tell me, uh... Was she, well, anyway, it's not important. But, it, uh... It's, in this age, it is too inconvenient for a regular modern person... To have to go in another room to get water. Or to have water in some sort of container. Who knows what was in that container before you washed it or after you washed it. And who knows this glass? Oh... Oh, no, do you know what glass is made from? It's made from sand. Isn't that right, Doctor? You told me that. Yes, man. Yeah, it's made from sand, just like the doctor said. This is Dr. Pawprint here talking. Doctor, could you talk to the audience about some of the dangers of, uh, uh sand and, and glass, uh, and drinking from those type of vessels? Yes, man. Right, who knows if you could have, uh, "'It could be old sand. You're so right, doctor. "'But no more do you have to worry about these things, "'because uh, I, when I was traveling the, the uh, worlds beyond, uh, "'this was after that Picard uh, who tried to, uh, "'I figured out a solution. He thought he was going to have his way. "'But oh, no, Professor Berling, Rasmussen-Berlinghoff will not be stopped.' And so, after traveling the worlds and observing how universes and universes of many different creatures ingest their water or their their universe's liquid, I've come up with a solution. And, you know, I, I couldn't come up with it on my own. Despite all of those things, I had to talk to Dr. Pawprint about it. And one day, in a world called The Backyard... I was there exploring in the tall green grasses of this plain. And I was with the doctor here. And I said, Doctor, we have to find a solution for these earth people in the water. And the doctor was on the prowl. I think, Doctor, were you You were looking for a solution? Mouse, a man, a mouse. Oh, you said, it. yes, right by the house you did find what we've come to call... The personal uh, water shooter. And what this personal water shooter is going to do is it deliver water at any moment, at any time you need it. And now I don't know if those of you now I've been watching and learning about your world, you know, because I come from across time and space as uh, Professor Rasmussen Berlinghofer. I don't know if you know the old west when cowboys would wear lassos around the belts, well, this water thing, it not only that, it's green, a nice soothing color, and green means good. Right, doctor? Man, I'm green. Right, it's green because it means good. And you coil it and you wear it at your waist uh, just uh, just like you would if you were a cowboy with a lasso. And at the end of it is a nozzle with a squeeze thing. And all you will do is squeeze it and water will come out. Now, you will have to hook it up to your local water uh, spout and have the spout on. Uh, but this is it. This is the ultimate in modern convenience. You could be in another room and you could take your, uh, what do we call a water lasso, uh, doctor? Ma'am, anyway. And you've wrangled your water and you just spray it right in your mouth, uh, now, we'll have to make sure uh, to adjust for your the, the speed your mouth can handle. Now, let's say your feet, you say, well, I, I, now, we can't be responsible for what the water does after you use it. You understand those things. You know, the doctor and I can't uh, plan for all of events. Right, doctor? My friend? But this device is going to change our lives. And we do it now. We have a special offer today. We'll include the nozzle. We'll include the squeezer. And we'll include uh doctor, should we give only ten feet? Meh Uh doctor twenty feet? Meh uh, thirty feet. How about thirty feet, doctor? Meow forty feet. Uh doctor, I don't think we could we could I don't think we could handle those margins. Meh How about forty feet uh forty dollars? How's that sound, doctor? Meow. "'Oh, boy, Doctor, you drive a hard bargain. This is an unheard-of device. It's new. Though similar to other devices, don't forget, but this is a water so, And you're saying we can't even sell it for 40 feet for $40?' "'Ma'am.' "'Okay, Doctor, well, I've just been authorized by Dean uh, that it, this is unprecedented and only this offer only will last till the end of this broadcast.' which will be repeated and added uh, uh Anyway, it will only be good for a short time. We are going to give you 40 feet of personal water lasso for nineteen ninety-five plus shipping and handling. Ma'am, what, you want more, doctor? Uh, Dean, this doctor's driving us out of business. What should I... No, Dean, we cannot do that. We cannot offer that much convenience for that lower price. What would the people do? They would just have water whenever they need it uh, if there's two people in the home or they have two rooms. Well, Dean, I don't know if I could really do that. Uh, Well, Dean's given me authorization, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, I was thinking that 40 feet for $40 would be fair. The doctor here was saying 40 feet for $20 was not even fair. How about this, ladies and gentlemen, two, two nozzles, uh, two squeezes, and two personal water lassos of 40, no, 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 oh, Dean, you, doctor, you're going to like this, Two 50-foot water lassos for nineteen ninety-five plus shipping and handling, Dean, uh, Dean, we, I don't think we can swing that, oh, at the 99-cent store, really, okay, well, I guess we can. Uh, well, d- doctor, how do you feel about that? A hundred feet of water, you know, two different water lassos for ninety-five plus shipping and handling. Plus the pod men will have to ship and handle it for free. Uh, doctor, does that sound like a deal you could get behind? Wow. Wow. Oh, yes, yes, it is a wow. So act now. Get a hold of me, Berlinghofer Rasmussen, at Berlinghofer Rasmussen, you know, the secret link. That's the other thing. You've got to know how to get there. It's a uh, hundred feet of personal water lassos for nineteen ninety five. A uh, good, Padman. Oh, good day. Thank you. That was great. We made a deal. So, bounce. That was unbelievable. You really drove a hard bargain. That was uh, Padman. Can we go to the nine nine cents store now? Have any orders come in yet, Padman? What do you mean it's not released, Padman? Have you been thinking about my mother again? You're flushed. Oh, you're you're upset because. Well, we have to go to the 99-Cent Store and get some hoses, please. So we're ready for the orders. What do you mean it's imaginary? No, no, no. This is a business, Podman. You'll have to talk to Ray. Okay, thanks. Oh, all right, everybody. K-Pounce Radio signing off. Uh, K-Pounce, the radio station for boys and their best friends, are cats. K-Pounce. Uh, crone, uh, sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Gesture. And I guess that's, that's it for now. Uh, Hound Dog, I guess I could just say what's up to you. Uh, you know, guys, I'm trying to get all my prayers in before this, you know, even though uh, this will be when this, you know, I want to get my prayers into you before my prayers are spoiled. So uh, let me start again. Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, Miller Smith, Barky Jester, Hound Dog. It just sounds good at the end to have a hound dog. Uh, I think probably last season I made jokes like there there ain't nothing like the hound dog. But God say, well, two things God say. I'm trying to get, get all my prayers in spoiler free. Uh, not about you, you know, not for you, God, just for me, so I'm not spoiled. I, I but go, God, so how would I would spoil you if I could? How I, could I make being um, an eternal being with, you know, powers and stuff even better than what I have here on earth? Uh, how could I serve you to make it, you know, not here on earth, like doing any of stuff with like, uh, but you know, up there? other than Bunyan rubbing crone and uh, listening. How else do you want to do? Is that all you want to be doing? Is, isn't is this serving you now? Isn't this your favorite thing, God? Uh, does this tickle your uh, scepter's pink when I... Jester, uh, uh, I heard you giggle at that. I didn't mean it like that, but... uh, the, Like when I pray to you, uh, crone, sweet, sweet crone, miller smith barky jester also, God, I'll be honest with you, because I am valuable. I don't even know what I prayed to you about last week. Uh, it, like, I think of my ongoing struggle with humanity, my own humanity, God says, you know, I'm my biggest obstacle. And so I said, "Jesus, what am I going to pray about to the gods about? I only have seven weeks to get it done, and last time, 10 to 12 to weeks, never, uh, so I don't know, Gads. Uh, Corona. I hope you're good. Uh, last week, I guess I introduced you. I mean, Gads, you know all. You know all. You know all the things you're frustrated with me about. All those challenges you put in my path. But the number one challenge is between my ears, Gads. It's me. It's me. And I, you know, I do. I would like to be more focused on other people. Uh, if I had to pick and choose between other people and the gods old and new I would probably choose you, you uh, I, like I, like I get caught up in my own stuff. I know we tried to invent the next great uh, app for complaining Midler. We almost you got talkspace as a sponsor. Maybe they'll, they'll come to us and decide to run some ads. So we did some tests for talkspace. That's more of a therapy app. Uh, So it's not exactly a copy of Midler where you just call. Remember, we weren't going to have whatever the letter was that, like in Beth Midler's name, it'd just be M-I-D-L-R, something like that. And I don't know if you went public with that, guys, because you you probably don't need an IPO. I probably don't need one either. Yes, it rhymes with B-O. Thank you, Barky, for noting that. But maybe I'll use my limited time tonight, guys, just to pray to you for uh, help in being less inwardly focused and more being outwardly focused. Crone, sweet, sweet crone, please give me your powers of uh, all-seeing, all-knowing, you know, all-judging. Probably I don't need the judging parts, uh, but sometimes I tend to, like when when I crone, please help slow me down. Like, actually, could you, and I'm not kidding with this, crone, give me some essence of crone to go slow and take my time, because I tend to, like, uh, be already on the next thing in the middle of this, like, I don't like being in the present moment, and it seems like, uh, m- much like my favorite part about David Lynch, stretching the present moment out, uh, I think you can do that too, Crone. And, of course, in the best way possible. So, Crone, please help me stretch out the present moment and take it slow so I can be there for other people to listen or to find ways to help uh, instead of just running around, uh, you know, like, like I do. I tend to do that, and maybe then I can see the positive or just live in the presence. Oh, Miller, great grinder of grains. uh the turner of wheels, uh, big wheels keep on turning. Miller, uh, I could use you know your steady, your steady effort. Actually, I could use that uh, because usually my my ability to connect with other people is inconsistent at best, and then I tend to give up, and then I say, well, geez, if I don't turn this around with my interpersonal stuff, then. So I tend to go, like, if I could just be slow, like, the you know, like, like, do you actually live in a mill in, is it a cloud driven mill, Miller? Uh, cause that would be pretty sweet. I would like to live uh, like a, like uh what about if I'm lying on the clouds and it heads through the mill? Would that be a, would that be trouble? But uh help me, like, go slow and steady and consistent, like the turning of the miller's wheel, or steel. You know, remember when Stephen Wright? Uh, he's a big, big hero of mine. He's he's much smarter than me. Like I have the, uh, I'm like the slow dyslexic version of Stephen Wright's. Yes, Jester, I'm Stephen Wrong. You're right about that. Holy cow. But uh, Miller, help me be patient in, you know, consistent, slow effort. Like that Miller, oh Steeler's Wheels. I, I can hear Stephen, Stephen Wright's voice saying Steeler Wheels from uh, that movie soundtrack. So they, you can't say the name of it. So, Miller, please help me to be consistent in with, with uh, being in the present with other people. Miller Smith. Oh, Smith, pounding away at that thingamajig, uh, the anvil. Where, you know, things are forged, oh, the forge you have, burn away my impurities. Uh, Well, actually don't, because there wouldn't be anything left. You know, but give me that white-hot focus. I know you must do a lot of focusing, and you're also consistent and steady, but you put the work in, Smith. That's why I've always liked you better than the friggin' warrior who just waits around for the big stuff and then goes out on a horse. You know, he's not there consistently working with white-hot focus. And your focus has got to be white-hot. Otherwise, it will be white-hot. And you'll say, ouch, you know. So, oh, Smith, help me with your focus. Uh, or be focused when I can. Because I, I notice that when, I can, uh, when I'm can, when i focused, uh, you know, I think there are some, some definite chemical impurities in me. So sometimes i got to ride those moments out and just do my best. But then when I'm focused, when the fog clears, you know, for those 40 minutes every week, help me get some stuff done and help me keep that constant pounding effort you do. So impressive. I would also like to have your buys uh, and maybe your pecs. uh, Because when I picture you, I would like to look good in a leather apron like you do, Smith. And if the maiden doesn't, you know, take the jester me, you know, after the warrior, you know, maybe, maybe you got a shot, uh, but probably, you know, you, you got work to do anyway. And that probably gets rid of all your vigor and vim. So, you know, that's, that's like, don't get rid of all my vigor or vim, please. I'd like to be focused in work. So thanks, Smith, uh the anvil in the sky don't drop it on me i mean i know you have but it keeps stubbing my toes i have a feeling you're behind that oh barky barky's next uh barky oldest of the old gods older than the crone but you don't look a day you know you you wear well uh because you're tree or many trees or all trees oh barky You know, help me spread my branches. Like, uh, let me be, you know, Barky, can I get the, can I, can you help me be cambium and take the juices deep in the earth, uh, suck them up and, uh, you know, take the goodness of other people. I mean, this is just figuratively, Barky. I don't actually want to be cambium, but you know what I mean. The essence of cambium, if that's what cambium is. And help me suck that up, Barky, and distribute it through and then into the leaves, you know, and all the benefits and spread it around, all the goodness of other people. You know, help me, you know, you know what I'm saying, Barky, do you? And then I could spread my branches and my leaves and even, you know, the changing of the seasons. You know, Thomas More, all those things, Thomas Aquinas, whatever, you know. I could be a tree for all seasons and, uh, you know, maybe build build a little birdhouse in my soul. Not to put too fine a pine on it or whatever they say, Barky. Did that make you laugh, Barky? Well, you could put it. I wouldn't mind having a woodchuck in me as long as it's not chucking any wood. And uh, maybe maybe I could be like that tree from uh, Mr. Rogers, too, uh, but help me mostly be the cambium that takes. And they say, "Hey, I got, I get the roots here. I got, the, you know, I could be the, whatever you need. I could be your shelter. I could be your umbrella. Whatever you know." That, so thanks, Sparky. Help me with that. With other people, that's the best I could do for a tree, because they think I already worn out. Like uh, you know, having picnics under me. I think I did that the other seasons. Oh, jester, jester, funniest of gods, most, uh, you know, dashing. You, 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 jester. I could just use your help. Uh, I know I can be funny, like in sometimes, but not when I need to, jester. So help me to recognize the humor in that, uh, like, uh, and then say, you, you know, can I, could I just like, could you help me move in the present moment, like, with some, like, not grace. Uh, but, you know, like a warm knife through butter, that's, that's how I see how you've always moved, Jester. And that's why, you know, I decided to start praying to you, even though you're just a regular dude from uh, Sun City. And, I, you know, that's why I started this movement, the Great Jester Movement. So if you could help me just be present and to go with, not go with the flow, but just uh, be there and say, yeah, man, I'm the Jester. This is amusing, animal live. It's so sweet. Uh, Like whatever they say about that, v you know, shuadavie, all those v's. I need them all. So help me to drink all that up, you know, or at least, you know, no, no, you're right, Chester. Serve it out to to the others, to their cool, the cool drink, to their warm lips. You're you're of course you're right, Chester. And hound dog, God, now that you, like, help me not be grouch, uh, let your grouchiness and mis- misanthropy or whatever they call it, uh, you know, let it be a parallel for me to say, okay, well, I'm not, you know, uh, so thanks, uh, Crone, Sweet Sweet Crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, hound dog, uh, thanks for listening and, uh, you know, help me be a better servant to the other people around also, Maiden, if you think that's cool, you know, that would be, you know, that would just be the icing on the cake. Uh, I'm a human, you know, I'm a human, I'm a human lover now. So, you know, your days may be numbered, God's actually. No, I'll still love you the most, Gods. don't worry. But, you know, I always need your help, clearly. You know, you can, you, can, you might be able to play a broken record, but you can't fix it, right, God's Yeah. Uh, What was that, Crone? I didn't hear that. Uh, Thanks, Gads. I'll talk to you soon.